When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby and we're both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. is dying of heat which I think was this time last week or was it the week before I yes yeah it's definitely chilled out hasn't it oh, in so many ways although I am waking up in the middle of the night all sweaty a lot. Yeah. maybe it's just deceptive so we're like oh I can yeah. put my duvet back on no you can't yeah it's close in here in Kent which I have previously referred to as the Florida of Britain um we had amazing like literally right after the lionesses one last night we had an amazing like torrential downpour yeah it was incredible last night that went on for like an hour yeah i was outside having dinner with my family just enjoying (laughs) the weather and then it started to started to like drip and we were like i'm sure it'll pass so we sat there stoically continuing to eat our salmon and next thing it's just like Run. <laughs> oh wow so did you does that mean you didn't watch the, the history being made oh no I didn't know sorry I was um I was distracted by family I was I mean I'm absolutely jacked up on Easter Day right now but it was very um, emotional it's takes much. Much. <laughs> I'm historically not a football supporter but um a couple of my colleagues have written really interesting pieces on women's football and how they kind of felt alienated from the game when they were kids yeah. and um and then I wa- I like read those and then I watched it and then I just cried oh that's really nice yeah I'm kind of gutted actually I haven't really um engaged with it too much um because no. I think I've just been um just been busy visitors visitors you're just too social mate I know I know yeah. what are you gonna do anyway <laughs> what have we got today Emma Ah, today we are we are interviewing a man. A man? Man. A um, man. <laughs> the lovely Sean Greenaway, who goes by Knackered Knackers. On yeah, channel. we love Sean. Um, yeah, so he's been di- diagnosed with azuspermia, 
which means that there's no sperm in his ejaculate. Um, and he's also, he's kind of like the male version of us, really, isn't he? Yeah, he's just kind of like trying to make everyone feel comfortable and kind of break the silence and just have a little poke at himself. Um, yeah. Yeah, because if there's a taboo about sharing my infertility, there's a kind of double taboo with men, isn't there? They're oh, just, absolutely. Yeah. They don't talk about uh, it as much. Yeah, and him and his wife went on to have donor-conceived twins, um, so obviously sperm donor, which we haven't actually, we haven't spoken to anyone about that before. No, we haven't. So Well, we've spoken to women about getting sperm donors, but we about, haven't well, to men yeah, about yes, sperm yeah, donors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. I'm very, like, I wasn't quite prepared for how kind of emotional it became. Mm, yeah, and yeah, how, yeah, totally. Like, he shared so much which was just amazing actually Mm. no I think it's good and if you know if you're listening and um you're kind of struggling to get your guy to kind of engage or open up about it this could be a good Mm -hmm. one to ask him to listen to or just put him on to Sean like Sean's great and he's got a support group for guys um so yeah I think it's a it's a great shout yeah you can find him on Instagram can't you yes at knackered knackers yeah that's knackered knackers Kanakad, yeah. Um, with a game, to be clear. Um, and then yesterday we put out a little little cheeky something, didn't we? Yeah, we did a little, little sneaky bonus episode. We did. So we did a, a collaboration with Gaia um, mm-hmm. to talk about IVF funding because actually that's a subject we haven't talked about and I am feeling increasingly cross about. Yeah, it's such a big topic and it's obviously it's something that comes up all the time of people struggling to get NHS funding and not knowing what they're going to do. And it's just it's and it can obviously we've spoken to so many people who paid a lot of money. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. So if you haven't listened to that, do give it a little listen. Do, 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 do. Especially if you're if you're on the brink of having to pay for fertility. Also, bonus points go to Wegan, um, who would just like giddy with excitement because we spoke to them on the day that um the government released its women's health plan which included provisions for same-sex couples yes um for fertility it's it's funny isn't it because we obviously we we got them on because we knew that they um would be angry about the lack of equality when it comes to funding and then it just so happened that the news had come through so it was still they were still very fizzy because yeah, um, there's so obviously funny. a lot a lot to be done but it was a different conversation than we were expecting which was obviously really great we were all just so yeah. happy yeah um, yeah and the lovely Alex Holder as well um, mm-hmm. if you don't know who she is she's a journalist and she has written lots about she writes a lot about money but then also mm-hmm. has written about her own IVF experience um, so she she was really great to have on as well yeah and she's also really good at like just Instagram and making her life look amazing um, she is out in Portugal, and I'm jealous. Yeah, she does live live a life that we can can but dream of here on the uh, <laughs> on the Kent coast, in the Florida of England. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, we'll, we'll we'll just get on with it, shall we? Oh wait, Professor Tim, what what are we doing? Yeah, about? we've got Prof Tim, Prof Tim, Prof 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 Tim. Um, this one again kind of falls into the second IVF baby or just second baby category doesn't it yeah it's one I'm yeah it's quite an interesting one so it's, it's basically asking like um a lot of clinics say that if you're going going to go through IVF again you shouldn't be breastfeeding and so we just asked why yeah it's interesting yeah 
Okay, well, if you want to contact us, um, you can email us. Um, bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. You can Instagram us. At bigfatnegative. You can Twitter us. At bigfatnegative. Um, you can, if you want to say thanks to us, you can buy us a little coffee, cheeky coffee. Yeah, you can find the link to that in our Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, and we'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast because it helps other people to find it. We would love it. We would love it. And if you are someone who has not yet bought the book and is thinking about buying the book, we'd also really love it if you bought the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can find that um, if you're in the UK. You can find that in Waterstones or bookshop.org or pretty much anyone can find it on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Okay. Enjoy. non-IVF related but I am going for the big sleep because I'm getting a general anaesthetic the good sleep the good sleep I hope it's a good sleep Um, I'm having having a minor operation guys a little bit of minor surgery on on my bum hole (laughs) (laughs) I did not know whether you were going to share that or not (laughs) right (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, it's for a penny and for a pound. I've shared everything else on this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I know it's so grim. I'm having a hemorrhoid. Ex- ex- oh, I'm hemorrhoid escapy. No, no. Escapy. A hemorrhoid. Hem- having some hemorrhoids removed. Some big, big old hemorrhoids <laughs> that um, cannot be removed in any other way other than knocking me out. Apparently, Mate. which is oh, very yeah. embarrassing. I I feel so honoured to be the one to come pick you up later. I know you're you're very kindly going to be my charity home charity my my charity and my chariot. <laughs> um, how are you feeling about this? Because it's it's it your first kind of hospital procedure since IVF. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I feel a bit. I am a bit nervous. Weirdly, um, I don't know. It's it feels like it's a big thing because I'm going to get knocked out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a big um, thing. Yeah, and also Mr. Gabby's not, he's flying to America tomorrow, so he's not going to be able to look after me if I need looking after, so I'm a bit nervous about that as well. Oh, but, so wait, is it going to be you at home by yourself? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I know. I might have to call you if I have a problem. Yeah, I'm going to look after you. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, I was kind of talking about this with someone the other day, the list of ailments, the small ailments that you've had since the beginning of the pandemic that you have not had sorted out because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. One of mine is hearing. The other one is is my um, my bum chums, <laughs> which which I've had um, since 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 my pregnancy. Which obviously I'm very grateful for. So I'm grateful for my bum chums. No, I'm sorry. You do you don't have to be grateful for that. No, no I think we can draw of... a line of gratitude. Thank you. It was one of the few downsides to that situation. So yeah, it's it's getting sorted today, hopefully, and I may not be able to walk for the rest of the week. But but yeah, that's happening. Oh, pal, I um, I'm glad it's getting sorted. Thank you for helping me so much, Emma. Thank you for collecting <laughs> me. I appreciate it. I haven't done um, it yet. I might just abandon you there. <laughs> Fair enough. I won't. I won't. <laughs> 
can happen? What if I get stuck in traffic? What if there's a terrible collision on the way there and yeah. I, I don't come? You're yeah, just I don't know. Myself. I don't, don't know. I'll just yet. be stuck. To be fair, I'll be stuck in a private hospital, which I'm, I am a little bit excited about that. That's because fancy. you know the way the NHS is now using private facilities because they're so yeah. slammed. So mm-hmm. I'm going to a private hospital and I'm not paying for it because the NHS is paying for it. <laughs> okay. I know. It's quite exciting, exciting in a way. Yeah, yeah. in a way. <laughs> anyway, what about what about your um, paid for um, uh, recent yeah. soon-to-be care? Tell us, talk, talk to us about that. Well, I'm absolutely off my tits on oestrogen at the moment. Oh, and it's, great. It's really funny because, like, obviously last time when I was going through this, I had a, like a, I was kind of diving off it from a different level, right? Because I gave up, I went off the pill in October 2015. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of back on the hormones by May 2017, May, June 2017. So I didn't really know what I was like without hormones. And even after I came off the pill, like it took six months for my period to come. So mm. I don't, I don't really know what I'm like or I didn't know what I was like off hormones and now I'm on so two um Proganova what so two Proganova twice a day so that's four pills um a day plus a patch that's like a lot. and it has knocked me for six plus a patch plus a patch yeah is that normal well, it's not normal, but um, we just figured out last time that I needed that many, <laughs> that much estrogen to build up a decent lining. Right. Um, oh God, yes. No wonder you're high as kite. Yeah. Well, I'm just exhausted. Like I've got really bad leg cramps. Um, I have. I just feel really emotional. John and I have just been arguing nonstop. Oh, no. Like my mum was like, "I'm sure he's really sympathetic." I was like, "If he was sympathetic, he wouldn't be such a prick." Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it's just like you know, it's it's really noticeable this time. Whereas last right. time I was like, oh yeah, the hormones don't really affect me actually. Yeah. Turned out they did affect me. I just didn't know it. You just didn't realize it. Um, yeah. Don't it doesn't estrogen make you feel a bit sexy and a bit confident? Doesn't make me feel sexy. And confident. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pretty sure that's the way it works, doesn't it? <laughs> those are, those side effects have not affected me. That's um, a shame. It's, it's literally just tired and cross. Yeah, um, okay. And incredibly bloated as well. Oh god, yeah. Like, uncomfortably bloated, and just having just like not being able to eat any food basically because it, it all makes you feel bloated. Um, so when when what do we think? So the basically, obviously, yeah, I went back to the old having to email them on the first day of my cycle. Um, so last time we talked, I didn't know what day of my cycle it was. And then I just, in the end, just picked one. Um, so I emailed them and they were like, oh yeah, no, we're going to, um, well, you need a scan on the 5th. And I was okay. like, is there any chance we could do it on the 4th? Because I'm supposed to be going up to Yorkshire to see my in-laws on the 5th. Um, and they oh, didn't reply. And there was this, that started this whole thing about, you know, uh, my, um, the consultant was on holiday the her like nurse practitioner that she worked with was on holiday I tried phoning my clinic to say like can somebody just give me a date like I just need a date so that I can organize my life and they were like mm-hmm. oh actually um only NHS patients are allowed to use this line not <gasps> private patients and I was like what wow. I was like can you just give me a number then and they were like no and I was just like 
So I had like three days of like people saying to me, because obviously I have to go out to London for these scans, so I may as well organise my working day around it. Yeah, of course. So people emailing me being like, can we have a meeting on this day? I was like, I don't know. I'd like to, but I can't confirm anything. Um, mm. Can we, you know, and then obviously I'm having to organise childcare because personally I don't want to take my kid into a infertility clinic. Um, and it's just, it's impossible. It's impossible when they're not getting back to you. So I had to, I chased my consultant up twice. I emailed the nurse. I emailed the general line, like just long periods of no replies. And I just felt so angry about being back here like angry with myself that I was allowing it to stress me out because I knew exactly what was going to happen I knew that was going to happen and I just I just allowed myself to get stressed out as I always did and I just like I just don't it is it's a big moment so no matter how chilled you are I think it's inevitable that it is going to cause you a bit of stress and you just want to have some clarity on timings that that's not too much to ask for And, and of course that's going to stress you out a bit. And it is a bit Mm -hmm. frustrating because you kind of think, okay, I'm paying privately. I've now gone down the consultant route to try and circumnavigate the kind of, you know, lack of comms. (laughs) And that's not what's happened. So that again, is frustrating, even though, you know. It's, it's funny because I, I um, put it on my Instagram stories and somebody messaged me. I was like oh yeah like instantly guessed which clinic I was at and she was like oh yeah it's, it's their like terrible comms is um, like their signature oh, and I was like, oh my god right. you're so right like and like three or four people just guessed instantly and I was like because I thought I'd been quite good at keeping it hidden which clinic uh-huh. I'm at uh-huh. on here um uh-huh. but loads of people were like oh yeah and you know somebody just messaged me assuming I'd said it and I was like when did I say it and she was like oh maybe you didn't I just knew that was that one so yeah mm-hmm. well there we go um, yeah so, so do you have any clarity now yeah I've got so I've got scan dates and that's my kind of middle of the cycle scan um I've obviously got all the like fears of oh my god have I ovulated early maybe I got the, the you know the first day of my cycle wrong mm. yeah um so yeah, so Thursday this week I'm going in. No, Friday, sorry. Friday this week I'm going to go in. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Oh. Like, I'm just going to have to go in. I'm actually staying at a hotel the night before. Oh. Yeah. Um. So that'll be nice. I'll have a nice evening by myself in London. Oh, well done you. Yeah. Is um, it a nice hotel? It is the hotel that... Um, Mr. Gabby used to quite often do some work at, and you used to go and do some work oh, at. Yeah, that yeah. is that is a nice hotel, but cheap, weirdly. Yeah, cheap. Well, not as cheap as I wanted. Cheapish. It to be, put it that way. Yeah, because there was um, last time we went to the clinic, we stayed um, we stayed overnight. We stayed at Premier Inn, and it was thirty three pounds. Oh, okay. This yeah, one that's, is that's cheap. Quite a lot more than thirty three pounds in London. Yeah, it was. We booked like two weeks in advance, so it was okay. Quite, that's quite cheap for even for yeah. you're in in London. Yeah, it was really um, good. It was really good, but now it's August. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's nice. You can have a nice little time watching the telly. I love watching telly in a hotel. Makes me so happy. Takeaway. I'm gonna watch telly. Yeah. I'm gonna good like. Idea. Hopefully, there's gonna be a robe. Mm, I'm sure. I'm hoping there's a robe. I'm just gonna yeah. put the robe on. Maybe have a bath. Have yeah. A bath. Um, Mate, well done. Go out. Have a drink by myself. 
because I've realised that I no longer have very many friends in London at all. Um, They've just all moved out. Yeah. My old faithfuls have gone. Um, So I'm just going to have a chilled time. Yeah, fair enough. Go and have a red wine. That'll be good for your lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, Um, It's my life. And so can I ask what... So if the scan goes well, Mm. is there a kind of... When's, when might the transfer be? Well, the scan will be day, I think day 10 or 11. Um, so I guess transfer day will be about a week later because it'll be around, I think my embryo is about six days old, so it'd be six days after ovulation. Yeah, okay. Um, and that'll be, yeah, that'll be that, really. <gasps> mm. I'm so excited. So am I, actually, because yeah. um, I... <sighs> I feel like I've managed to do this with minimum panicking, minimum like urgent calls to the clinic, just trying to get through it. Um, and I just, I would really like it if it worked because then I would never have to think about this again. Mm. Like that's the dream. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm hoping for you as well, mate. I really am. Thanks, mate. But I do also think that if it doesn't work, and even if they look at it and go, oh, the light, your lining's terrible, we're going to have to cancel this. I'm going to reassess whether we, whether I want to do this again. Maybe mm. I do. But, like, mm. it's been it's been unpleasant. I'm beginning that slide into, like, obsessing about it, and I don't want to be back there. Yeah. So. I think don't, look, don't beat yourself up about sliding down that a little yeah. slide, because it's kind of, it, it's hard not to. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're, you are maintaining a level of chill. I have, mm-hmm. I have observed this. Mm-hmm. Thanks, um, And just let yourself, let yourself go a little bit. It's fine. Like, don't worry. It's not, you know, you can't yeah. be completely shut off to it. It's a big moment. So yeah, whether it works or not, it's a big moment. I just, like, last time I did a lot of, like, I've got to be able to feel my feelings. And I did feel my feelings. Now I'm a bit like the opposite of that. I'm like, I don't want to feel any feelings. Just not mm. up for feeling feelings right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to be like an ice queen who doesn't care. Of course yeah. I do care. <laughs> yeah. Of course But I do. yeah, I think it's the, the Brit- great British tradition of repression is doing yeah. well for me right now. So. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I always used to call you the ice queen. So, mm. you know, yeah. you're part of the way really there. Bodying that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, mate. Well, uh, we all look forward to finding out how it went next week. And I look forward to seeing you tonight. Indeed. Me and none of my bum chomps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Extremely good luck. Thank you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Sean, you're famous now. How does well, it feel? Well, yeah, it ain't a thing, you know. It's just... <laughs> Just, just, just doing what I do. Yeah. Um, also, we should say welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a real honour. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> so we start every podcast the same, and we're going to start it this the same way this time. Can you just tell us about your journey? Sure. Yeah, the J word. Straight in with yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You like to rip the plaster off. Yes. So here we go. I'll try and condense four years of hurt into a few minutes. No. Uh, but no, it's um, like you know, that's why I'm on. It's it sucks. Infertility sucks. But um, I'm here to try and show that there is another side, um, and to to condense what is like anyone going through it knows is a really painful and long experience. But my wife and I got together in 2009 married 2013 and then always said that we wanted to be husband and wife first uh, like enjoy each other travel and then mm. we'll just have a family because that's what you do isn't it it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Just, you need to get the fun in first because then obviously yeah. the minute you start trying yeah yeah you just have a kid yeah. like yeah. That's, that's just yeah. how it happens right mm-hmm. and uh obviously for us it wasn't the case um so the, the kind of months ticked by and my wife came off a contraceptive pill and and again you kind of give yourself a few months because you're like oh it's got to work its way out the system and and then that a few months passes and you go okay this is it the next time is the one Mm. but but Mm -hmm. no that (laughs) it didn't happen and um I I had had months in my early 20s so I was about 22 um and it was always in the back of my mind that it can be uh, have a link to infertility um yeah. however when it happened for me it was 2005 so smartphones weren't a thing the early camera phones were about um which was handy because i managed to get a friend to take a picture of my giant balls <laughs> my <laughs> husband has a great story about his balls being the size of a lemon they, they were everyone saw them. i'd say yeah it was <laughs> well I, I, put, I put my fist next to them for, for scale and oh my oh, God. they were bigger and the skin was taut without getting too graphic but um delightful yeah it was the early days of a picture message going viral even though it was costing everyone about 50p to send it (laughs) but it it went it went certainly throughout our local town and probably further but um so having knowing that i'd undergone i'd had that and there was just a few quips from the people going oh you know that can make you sterile and i still hate that word yeah, but that's just word. I remember that I remember that from that was like 2005 I remember someone saying that to me mm. and even then even before I knew I had had any issues it I just still hate that word so um I'm with you. it's that it's just it's awful isn't it it's, um my mum used it and I was like oh 
Mum. Really? Don't say that. Oh, it's God. just so clinical. And, and that's the thing, yeah. you know, that's a whole other conversation. The language around trying to conceive and infertility is just mm. so poor at times. But... So the male equivalent of barren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, a horrible, a disgusting word. But um, yeah, that, as I said, you know, we could have a whole topic on that alone is yeah separate podcast (laughs) (laughs) exactly well I digress anyway so uh yeah so I I, that was in the back of my mind after a few months of of not being able to conceive we decided okay let's go to the doctor's early doors so I went to the doctor's about six months after we first started trying and thankfully he took my concerns seriously um Mm. and and referred both of us on for testing um uh and yeah my first experience in a, in a of a semen analysis, uh, which is quite harrowing to say the least. But yeah, it was um it came back negative, and that day um, was just it was I'll never forget it. Getting that phone call to say that well, I mean the the, the, the poor lady that phoned me, I don't think was a medical practitioner as such. She obviously worked in the doctors, but she mm. was um, trying to read out. Uh, almost as she was reading the letter it was you could tell that she was probably thinking oh I should have read this through first because oh, she's there going oh yeah it says you've got um and then she was trying to read azoospermia but she's going uh, uh azoospermia so I'm like okay <laughs> what's a that? word you've probably um, never heard of right you're absolutely like, yeah yeah and, you're going to the zoo huh yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and I remember saying well what's that and she said well I don't know Oh, great. Oh, Thanks, yeah, babe. Exactly. And I, this was just on a phone call. I was at work. I'd taken taken the call outside. And uh, I remember, so well, I remember where I sat on on this like concrete post. And and then, and then okay, she goes, right, well, you need to have a second one just to confirm the, the results. I'm like, okay, book it in. It was three months' time. And then she, she went off the phone. I Googled it. And I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, no sperm. What? Like, people have millions at mm. zero you know even though I had the, the mumps and I thought oh, it can have an impact I never expected that um Fuck. and to touch upon something we discussed slightly before you press record but having appeared on a, a television show recently and the first question they they asked was oh were you shocked how or how shocked were you when you received that news and I was going oh no I wasn't shocked because I was just so nervous but on the television but yeah I was to clarify that, if anyone has seen that, <laughs> I just I want was... to come out here today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <and> say... <laughs> yeah. Not was... being shocked is fake news. Exactly. Yeah. I'm um, very shocked, and um, it was it's life changing. It's a life changing moment. Yeah. And having to phone my yeah. wife straight after and explain it to her is just mm-hmm. but to, awful to get moment. the information in the way you didn't even get it. Like, why? Surely there should be like a little red flag that comes up on the system and says somebody who knows what they're talking about is going to have to deliver this news. Like exactly. not someone who can't say the word and doesn't know what it means. But there's just so many like bits along the way or through my journey that I, I look back and think, well, for example, when I had the mumps, there was no mention of this from medical practitioners. Mm-hmm. I was going to the doctors. I was seriously ill. I was, I was mm. bedridden for two weeks and very ill for three. Um, I was going for blood tests and all sorts. And, and then when it was established what I had, no one mentions it. It was all about treating the thing at hand it's um, insane isn't it i had exactly the same thing with my like when i had appendicitis nobody said anything to my parents <laughs> like yeah. why yeah it's just i think that 
I, I don't know what is you know you like to hope that that there are there's a bit more of a thinking outside the box approach these days because and then again in that so that was 2005 but then in 2011 I was um with my wife by this point and I was at home having a shower checking downstairs as, as uh, anyone every bloke should and I thought on my on my word I found some lumps and, and my wife came in and I said look I found some lumps she had a little feel really mm. that's the mm. that's what you have to do when you're in a long-term relationship you have to <laughs> say, feel my lumps pop, pop a feel of these <laughs> but um yeah so I went I went for a um scan of those and again the the so the guy in that question that did my um ultrasound mm. said oh don't worry it's just a cluster of tubes okay. um so he's good because he's going down the line of looking for tumors or something related to but actually yeah. It what was it? it was a varicocele, which again is another cause of infertility in males. Um, mm. And I, but no thinking along those lines for him. He's just looking at what I've gone for, yeah. And, and said, so "Don't worry, it's just a cluster of tubes." So I've come away happy as Larry, going, "Okay, yeah, brilliant. It's not, it's not a tumor." It's and that's a cluster it. Of tubes, yeah, yeah, that's twenty eleven. You know, and that's, that's still six years prior to us trying. And um, oh, yeah, 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 because okay. that again, as I said, that that's another cause of male factor infertility whether it was that or the mumps or perfect combo of both or if i was just very do you think the mumps caused the varicocele yeah possibly i'm not i don't know to to be honest i've never really asked too many questions of because i just think it's not important to me yeah you know because Mm. i it's happened it's i had an operation to try and treat the varicocele it was it didn't work um and the damage could have been done by the mumps it could have been that but yeah. i don't need for me personally i don't need to you, attribute blame to either one of them it's the fact is i don't have sperm that nothing's going to change yeah, that yeah. so i had two operations to try and change it i've kind of like led on to the next part by sperm analysis second one confirmed there was no sperm um and then had two operations in 2019 the first one being that varicocele embolization again you have to wait three months for the sperm cycle to, to complete and, and uh Again, there was no sperm after that, and then I went oh, for the, the the big one and uh, had had my balls cut open, which is a micro teasing. Oh. And uh, again, no sperm um, because what they try and do there is, is get them straight from source. And yeah. right. because if there's something a problem that that's are they being created and then not making it out in the ejaculate? So um, yeah, but so they try and get them before any kind of damage or overcooking can be done. And but yeah, I just had none. I just my, my balls don't make any so um that was that in 2019 and then and you had to go through quite painful procedures to establish that right that's quite yeah a lot to go through both of them in in their own ways i mean the varicocele embolization was a one-day operation an outpatient thing just under local anesthetic um and that was just as bad for different reasons Mm. as the, the the big one where i was under general and it took me personally a month to get better from uh, and I'm still suffering the after effects now and it's three years on because I, I, I now basically don't produce my own testosterone um, so I have to have replacement therapy yeah which is a side effect a risk of it but again you know I, I read the leaflets of any medication I get I, I always read the, the information for these operations if you know what I mean and it's in the small print oh this could happen uh, but it's rare type thing but <laughs> it happened so yeah God, um, that's so hard for you like what happened what kind of is going on in your head when you when this is happening I mean you must have just thought fuck my life yeah that was that was a bit 
of an annoying one <laughs> to put a, a, a very light turn on it, but because because it is a like it's a lifelong thing now. I'm, I'm on testosterone yeah. replacement for the rest of my life, and wow, it's hard going because like the because of uh, like kind of having to go through the NHS for it, and like mm. that that in itself is a battle. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I'm currently on this gel and have been for probably a year and a half and and it's very clear that you the risk of cross-contamination to someone else is like especially you know uh, a female my wife or children yeah uh, it just can't happen so the areas you suppose so it's topical obviously you rub it into my skin and it absorbs through um yeah so I always just put it on the inside of my thighs because and and then I've just really kept like even to the point but <laughs> this is like my day-to-day now if I go to the toilet for a sit-down toilet <laughs> shortly after mm-hmm. putting it on I, I will then like wipe down the seat and stuff after because I'm right. that paranoid about my wife oh, having some like, transfer onto her and and then obviously so with infant children they're, they're always climbing over me and stuff and I'm always it's always on my mind like to pull my shorts down if I'm wearing shorts like you know like if I've yeah. ridden up mm-hmm. a little bit just make just pull them down because it's just it's it's and it's awful to it's all as I said, it's always on my mind. It's never I never forget and think, Oh, oh, were they close there? It's just always something yeah. that's consciously there. And so I'm I'm currently exploring whether to, to move to to injections. But again, oh, they have yeah. different side effects because it's it's huge peaks and troughs. Whereas the uh gel, because I do it every day, it kind of yeah. keeps me on a level and then it's just about finding how much to do and yeah. Like, finding my kind of level it keeps me stable but the the injections yeah you get this massive whammy like of it and then how it depends on how long you have it after but they say kind of it can be there's there's one which is two weekly there's others which are two monthly and, right and then as you get to that you start hitting the bottom again because i remember how i remember the feeling after that second operation of, of i didn't know at the time it was low testosterone but every day i was like getting this brain fog around midday I couldn't concentrate oh. on anything. I was getting these um, hot flushes. Literally, I'd be doing nothing, like chilling on the sofa or whatever, and I would start sweating. I think, wow. what is going on? Because the first time that sweating happened, I was on the tube, so I just put it down to that. Yeah, thought, oh, you know, it's hot down there, and, and I thought, well, that was weird. And um, That's yeah, it crazy. just started happening and doing nothing, and I was like, okay, this is a problem. And yeah. Because testosterone, I think, isn't it the hormone that kind of makes us want things? We're we're really going off on a tangent here, but isn't it like, I remember listening to a podcast where somebody had stopped producing testosterone. He said things like he only ate white bread because that's he didn't really wow. care what he ate. Okay. I he didn't just didn't really want anything. That. But for blokes, so even if a women have small amounts of testosterone and, yeah, and yeah. like just like men have small amounts of estrogen. But yeah, for, for men, testosterone is literally the tide that lifts all ships. Like we mm-hmm. rely God, on it. Yeah. it every yeah. all of our other hormones need it um it's it's everything it's our it's, it's our muscle mass like how much it, otherwise you can start storing too much fat you can develop moobs which i yeah, didn't need sure. any help in that area and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah your sex drive your like how you hold erections and stuff like that and mm-hmm. it's, it's everything and and um yeah i, I was literally baseline the, the they say the, I haven't I don't know the stats I it, it, I know it's between seven point something and thirty one um, is so seven point something is the what they deem to be the minimum mm-hmm. and and thirty one is like a, the top range mm-hmm. I I was like one 
when I went for really? my test after oh, wow. when I was feeling like wow. that. Yeah. And then the high, and then they were okay. They didn't even go, right, we'll put you on replacement. They, they said, we'll monitor it. The highest I ever got after that, after many, many blood tests was three. And, oh, and that is literally God, the mate. testosterone That's levels of like just... a 90 year old. Wow. That's so horrible to be left like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you kind of gave away a bit of a spoiler there. Um, talking about your kids. So what happened after that procedure? Uh, so that one, that was literally the the end of the road in terms of would I ever have a biological child because they went to the source, they literally cracked them open and there is nothing being produced. And mm. so then it, it was a case of, okay, how do we proceed from here? But mm. we had already had that conversation over the months leading right. up to this because I actually wasn't yeah. sure whether I wanted that operation or not yeah. because of the side effects and the risks. Um, I, I was, and I'd had quite a bad experience with that first one, which was meant to be pretty minor. And I had never mm-hmm. had an operation before. And, and as it's local and they were going in through a, ne- a vein in my neck to put a coil through my torso down to my pelvic area. Wow. Um, I, I was hearing things during an operation and you just don't want to hear. Oh, like what? Uh, so I, I had, I had the operation at the university college hospital in London. And yeah. so the, the clues in the name, I had a student doctor doing it, which oh I, 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 I didn't fight at that. all. I, I was okay with it, you know, cause I thought they're not going to let some like week one, day one <laughs> chap do this. <laughs> I thought it's going to no. be someone at, right towards the end. And like, I, I need to, I don't mind being almost that guy because he's going to mm. do great things for people in the future. And yeah, right. he's over Yeah, medical science by letting this guy practice on you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he didn't get any leeches out and say that I needed bleeding. So I thought, <laughs> he's, he's all right. He knows what he's doing. But uh, so I thought, yeah, he'd be all right. You know, he's, he's obviously quite far on in his in his course. And But I literally, so they put a little incision in my neck. So I was like, under this kind of shroudy blanket thing and only the, the only bit, they could see of me was so they opened it up like a square where my, where they were operating. Right. So so I, I had to keep my neck as far as it would go to the left because they were going in through the right, and Out. I and then they were putting this catheter in and feeding the wire through, and I could feel it. Yeah, I've and, had that as well, and it's horrible. Yeah, and and I said so. I, I every once in a while, a nurse would pop her head in to the only bit I could see out on the left, and she was like, "You're all right," and I was like. Am I meant to feel this? And she was like, uh, no. Oh, God. So I think they got the dosage levels of the anaesthetic wrong. So they addressed that and injected a bit around the uh, <laughs> insertion area. And then um, and then, literally a few minutes into the op. So what they were doing, they had injected a dye in through my body or, or through that vein or something. So they could then see mm-hmm. it on the x-ray machine above. And they were basically mm-hmm. watching this machine. And I could, yeah. I could, so he was being overseen by an experienced doctor. And then I, I had the experienced guy go, stop, 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 stop. Well, you don't want to do that. That would have been game over. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm lying there thinking, what? Oh my God. Like, oh game, my Lord. I know. I, you know, it raises many other questions. Game over for what? Me or this operation? Oh my God. Or yeah. His, what his are we course? talking about? Yeah. I don't know. Like, so I've kind <laughs> Your of. Your career. I know. I'm just thinking, right, <laughs> keep career. quiet. Yeah. Oh, Sean, mate. This is just awful. I know. And you're thinking, right, okay, carry on. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. And uh, and then at at various points, I had to hold my breath um, 
because they were obviously going past certain junctures in my body and it opened up, must have opened it up a little bit for me or whatever. They would say, okay, in a minute, I need you to hold your breath as breathing as much as you can and hold your breath mm. until we tell you to, to release. So that happened about three times. Like, fine. Then they said to do it again. So I've done it again, held in my breath as much as I can. And, uh, and they're just carrying on. I'm there, hold my <laughs> breath. And it's getting to the point where I'm starting to think, okay, I'm going to suffocate. <laughs> I need to breathe. And, and, like, so my body was obviously like moving a little bit and I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't want to breathe out because I don't know what's going on inside. Am I going to ruin this up? And, and, yeah. and the nurse, oh. they obviously realized something was up and the nurse came through to me again. She was like, are you okay? I was like, can I breathe? Can I breathe? And I'm like, oh, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, of course you can. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh. They're like, oh yeah, sorry. I forgot to tell you, you can breathe again. I'm like, oh my oh, God. Oh, of my body right now. Like... <laughs> I know. So yeah, oh it wasn't God. the best experience. Um, no. So I was, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I wasn't overly keen to then have my nuts cracked open. Um, no. Uh, following that, uh, and, no, and for, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly. And but can I just say, very nicely put. <laughs> yeah, we should say that this doesn't happen to everyone that has a varicocele operation because no, no. we've spoken to people who've had quite good experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyone, <laughs> I don't want to scare anyone that's got one. No, no, up, no. This no. sounds like, yeah. Absolutely not. No, I'd say the go worst for it. Experience. But I think sometimes they just go in through the pelvic area and I'm like, why did they take the long route? But yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. There must be reasons, but. Oh, who knows but yeah I, I don't say that to try and put anyone off because it's you know it's quite a unique experience that i went through yeah. but um you know it makes for a, a funny story at the end of it <laughs> oh god maybe we're all <laughs> furious <laughs> now <I know. laughs> it's hard to climb down from this fury <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have your nuts cracked open as you say yes and it uh, you come out with a quite bad result and some like nice extra side effects as a like special extra mm. gift. And then what's your next move? So that, so yeah, led on to that, ha- decided to have it. My wife kind of put it that, you know, if you don't do this, will you always be wondering like, should you have? And so I just thought, yeah, go on. Why not? And, uh, but you, you, like, for example, Emma, you use the term, and I'm not having a go at you at all, but like, I'm because I'm changing my language around it. But you said, you know, there was a bad result. But I, my language now is that I never say, oh, unfortunately, there was no sperm or the, the, the result was like negative or whatever, because what that led on to was then us electing to use donor sperm and right. being mm, blessed with our. Ama- no, no, honestly, I'm not. It's it, like, I, I just, and that's something that I'm consciously doing myself now if you know what I mean to change that that language Mm -hmm. for myself because I've said many times before and it's 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 the case is that I wouldn't change a single thing about what I've been through because of where it's led Mm -hmm. me but then and and that's you know completely how I feel but then I would still be talking to someone and go oh yeah I had this operation and that operation unfortunately there was no sperm I thought no I need to change that because I'm saying I wouldn't change anything about it so it's not unfortunately there was it's you know everything is neutral yeah. and it's me who puts and we moved on yeah yeah time. yeah exactly so and it's like it's, it's you know every everything that happens it's us that label it either way if you know what I mean positive or negative so yeah. It's, yeah, I've, yeah. I've realized it's now me I have to be consciously stop putting that 
the negative spin on it because it led us exactly where we should have should have been and and mm. should have reached and that was our amazing twins who Ray and Evelyn who we had in February of 21 last year um, congratulations thank you very much and um that um, I said at the beginning I was going to condense four years into about a couple of minutes, but <laughs> that was many minutes. It's hard. It's hard. Um, I was going to ask you, yeah, about that decision to go with the Dan sperm donor route and how long it took you and that kind of. But I, I'm assuming that after these two um, procedures, you're kind of just like, let's do that. Yeah, I'm putting words in your mouth now. You well, tell me what it was we, like making. We that had. Sense. I. I, I reached it, it was very much it's, it's a it, very individual but also you know we're a couple as well so it's a decision we came to together but we had discussed this prior to that the second operation because we knew that the result would be immediate from that it would like the first operation for example it was to see if i could produce some sperm naturally uh, so it was it was going to be a three-month wait to see if if i was if my sperm samples were going to go from zero to something, which right. then could potentially be used in ICSI. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas this one, it, we always knew that we would get the result immediately. And that it's actually the first operation that really hit both of us the hardest uh, right. because yeah. we kind of still had a lot of hope on, on that working and a, a relatively painless route to to then hopefully conceiving i.e mm. me doing a sample it being used and then science doing the rest uh, well, and, and of course my wife not to downplay her part science and my <laughs> wife being awesome and and mm. carrying but um so yeah we we thought okay it's a small blip in the road let's have this relatively mm. minor operation and then we'll move on mm. and then mm. unfortunately well again i've done it I've done it there. So that's what I'm saying. It's a work in progress. Yeah. I was about almost about to say it unfortunately didn't work, but no, I'm, as I said, I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, so that when we got the result of that first one, it really did crush us. Um, and that was our mm. real low. And so from there mm. it was onwards to build. Um, and, and again, we, we explored other options. We talked about what could be that like, if the result from the TZ was again zero sperm, what would we do? What would we look at? And we yeah. decided that we wanted to be parents no matter what. I knew mm -hmm. I had a lot to give as a father, and I had to, and again, like it, trying to condense four years in, into a small period, but it, it takes a lot of work. This is something that happens over many months, and I had to look at myself and my family background for example which wasn't binary i had step parents and and even a step grandparent mm. but he was never referred to as that he was my granddad yeah uh, and he was everything a granddad should be and and i had so much love for him and my stepfathers and stepmothers for That's example nice. and yeah. and i just had to look at that and think well i wasn't related to them with blood mm. so why mm. am i putting so much weight on that now that i can't do that because and, and but that's yeah. the the kind of whole confusion that anyone is face, facing infertility will, will go through is, is kind of relinquishing that bond of genetics to any any mm. future children but then when with a bloke you kind of have this whole extra thing of well that's what i'm supposed to do i'm just i i'm the i bring the sperm is it, it's really cool that you had those um kind of non-blood relatives Absolutely. to think about i never really thought about that i've got loads of steps 
steps um, and never never even considered that that would be a kind of factor in decision making yeah mm. it, it, I just it was such a such a close to home thing as well if you know what I mean like yeah. it was my own lived experience and to be able to draw on that and, and that's what mm. I, I say to people is that have a look at your own situation first have you got any non-genetic parents or step parents etc because mm-hmm. I guarantee that you know like obviously there's going to be bad experiences but I, I, the vast majority I'd say of people have had positive and yeah just so much love for those people but also it's like the the big hang-up on genetics about mm-hmm. oh will I love them will I have a connection but we you, you meet someone who you want to make as a life partner. You're not related to them. Well, I know, no, yeah. you know certain parts of the country you know, <laughs> might happen. But, <laughs> you know, you, you learn, you, you you meet them, you have a attraction and, and a bond and you learn and that love grows. And mm. so I had to look at that as well and think, well, why am I getting so hung up on, well, I won't have a well, I love them because I won't have a biological connection. I'm, we've spoken to quite a few women who have been in the process of choosing egg donors. We've never spoken to a man that's gone through the process of choosing a sperm donor. I'm really kind of interested to know how that went for you. Were you like super engaged or were you kind of a bit like, oh, this is weird? Mm. How was it? I, I was. So the whole the whole process of going through infertility, there were times where I was completely disengaged. And I think actually now in hindsight, I know that that was grief, which I didn't know. I was being like swept along in a tide of it, really. Yeah. Kind of just trying to keep my head above the water, like bobbing up and down and going through the stages of, for example, the ones that I really remember well were uh, blame and anger. Mm -hmm. Um, And they really, I can really almost pinpoint those back when they were happening. And then I kind of, come came through that period and then started working towards the final bit which is acceptance but that was a, a much more active phase and at that point I started to become a lot more involved in everything because I, I just I'd shut off I didn't want to talk I'd, the only people we had to talk to were both of our mums um, obviously I, my wife knew about it <laughs> she was yeah. in this with me but um, I wasn't even talking to her like just what I needed to, if you know what I mean, like about mm. appointments. So, and and that's what a lot of men can do as well. But you, you almost put it onto the to the female partner, and it almost becomes their infertility as well. And and I know, for example, my wife did protect me because I wasn't telling her, well, I wasn't dealing with it. So she yeah. almost took it on as a couple infertility. And when people were asking, they would say, "Yes, we're having trouble conceiving." It was we because she was protecting me because I wasn't dealing with it. Mm-hmm. However, when I started to work through everything that was happening, and as I said earlier, looking at my own family background and, and realising that, no, I, I've got a lot to be a, to give as a father, and that isn't my ability to pass on my DNA. Mm-hmm. So I started to become a lot more engaged in the whole process, really, and, and a lot better at supporting my wife and... Yeah, certainly with the choosing the donor, I was it, it was both of us, and yeah, it was we. I was there, very present throughout that. Really, mm. what what did you kind of look for? Was it kind of someone that you felt looked like you or sounded like you? Uh, so we we went on both of us really. 
um, both of our characteristics rather than just trying to replicate me if you know what I mean we yeah. we did have at first we thought oh are we going to even tell them which now yeah. all of the working advice these days is to tell early tell often because people of our age our if, if for example our parents in their generation were to go through the same process they were told to not tell mm. and, and it's led to yeah. now so many people our age finding out through the uh, web- websites available and yeah. the DNA testing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I guess I can never no foresee. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's traumatic. But yeah. So, but at first we were still a bit like, oh, are we going to like, let's, let's choose based on our characteristics. It gives us that choice. But even though we decided actually before, like before we'd even chosen the, uh, started to go down the route of, of having the um, IVF, we had, firmly decided that we'd be telling early and often I still we still wouldn't change the characteristics we chose because it's still our family if you know what I mean Mm. we we also were quite conscious that our any children we were to have would still have a lot to deal with in terms of being donor conceived we didn't want them necessarily looking different as well if possible yeah um so yeah, we went based on our both of our characteristics, a kind of mix of eye colours, for example, like just the, the, the biometric data, like just yeah. went very much along the lines of us two, our heights, etc., and build. So yeah. I suppose now that you've you know now that you've met them and they're in your life, you wouldn't you would you don't look at things like that. That's just them, you know. It's not yeah. where does that come from? No, That's just absolutely. who they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 the thing is, like those things are thrust in your face all the time because it's just such a, a normal piece of conversation. And I actually try to stop myself saying it now when people have newborn babies or whatever. I try and refrain from the, oh, who has that uh, those eyes or that colour hair because our yeah. daughter Evelyn has ginger hair. So we get it all the time on, well, do you have twins in your family? And oh, who's who's got ginger? Um, yeah. So it's just people say it. it's, it's a not very normal thing. And, and it's there, it's going to be something in which obviously we have to deal with forever and we're going to have to, like, uh, I don't know what the word is, I was going to say train them to deal with, but yeah, you know, just educate yeah. them and, and and hopefully they'll be empowered with their, their own story as, as much as I am with mine now. The great thing is that it's not an unusual story anymore. Absolutely. Like, in my daughter's nursery, like, almost immediately, I would say, I don't know, thirty percent of the kids are IVF conceived. Yeah, yeah, and I know least. from having friends who are teachers that the ways in which um, babies are created these days is is changing in the classroom, like how it's put mm-hmm. across and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's really good. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I, yeah, I thought I was going to be special in my uh, antenatal class. That was not yeah. special. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad, isn't it? Um, well, look, Sean thank you so much for sharing this with us it's amazing and hopefully it's going to be a, a lot of help to to some guys maybe some guys will listen to our podcast emma who knows um, <laughs> um but sean we'd love you to just before you go um you know give us some, if you've got advice for guys out there who are getting an as you spare me a diagnosis now um because i know we get asked about it a lot um mm. and it's such a scary thing to hear what's your what's your advice to people that are hearing it now Sure. And it is, it's so common. I'm, I'm literally, it must be weekly now getting messages saying it's either from a guy or, or from his partner that, that, who have just been yeah. diagnosed. And, and it's just so 
far and wide as well. Like um, speaking to guys in Australia, America, and even Brazil, I'm speaking to a chap there. Wow, yeah. So that's my first point: is that you're not alone. This is happening worldwide every day. Mm. Someone else is getting this shitstorm of news, and yeah. mm. that's because I felt like I was alone, and hence why I'm doing this now trying to get the voice out there that you're not because I'd search for people. I search for other blokes going through it and I just couldn't find any. And yeah. fortunately now there are other people like, I know you've had Toby on your program. Yeah. He's a good, like such a good lad and what he's doing he's so great. publicly, you yeah. know, he's put mm. all over the livery all over his race car. So yeah, it's amazing. It's, yeah. It's, it's quality. And like there are, there's, you're not alone. And for me, I know it's hard, but talk if you can't talk to your partner, then try and find another, another man who's going through it or a therapist or anything. Because once I started talking, it just, a weight shifted. It really did. It, and even oh. if you, or just start writing things down. So that, mm-hmm. and also, and you know, I've gone down the donor route, which, as I said, I wouldn't change a thing. But I know that's not for everyone. Because again, I get men say to me, like, they just, cannot get their head around like having someone else's sperm create their baby. And it's not for everyone. And and I think that's important to know as well is that just because I've done it, or you may know of various other people or, or females who've had egg donors, for example, and are like more than like just elated with it. It doesn't, mm. don't put too, too much pressure on yourself that, well, I have to do that. Just be kind. And I think that, you, you kind of you come to your own decision you know you just just do the work yourself process it talk write stuff down and and i like to think that you will come to the decision that is for best for you you and, and your partner because what's important to know is that having a child is is not gonna like for example through donor or adoption or whatever it won't cure your infertility and that is the most important thing to know because that hit me uh, about last summer when I was about three or four months old because the whole time that we since conceiving and then being pregnant and then into about the third or fourth month of, of our twins being born after they were born uh, we had a pregnancy announcement from a, a, a friend and it was the first one in that whole time mm, right and it triggered me and I was like wow yeah yeah hello it's horrible <laughs> Yeah. I, I thought you had gone. What? Yeah. I've got my kids now. What what's what's this? Yeah. And that that was a really important lesson for me actually in that that trauma is always there. Yeah. It's just about making space for it. Um, yeah. So yeah. I like to think I'm marginally less bitter now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think that one there's been various since and, and babies born and stuff. But yeah, that was just a real eye opener. And that was mm. because I'm always learning. I'm not uh, like yeah. just because I'm, I've put my face out there. And I'm talking about it. Doesn't mean that I'm some like finished article. And I'm always going to be learning as a as a donor recipient parent about mm-hmm. how to go mm-hmm. about things. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm trying to change my language around what I went through, and then I, I slipped back and said, unfortunately, again. So it's it's always a work in progress. There will always uh-huh. be something to trigger, and that is part of me. And that, that's I don't try and push it away and, and yeah. stamp it down it's there when it when it raises its head I take the time to yeah. process it and um, and just go okay do I need to 
chill at home for a bit and just cuddle my babies and my wife or can mm-hmm. I go out and, and see that lad who's just announced that he's pregnant if you know what I mean well Sean thank you so much for coming on and sharing so generously as well because yeah I, I you know we've had quite a few men on but I don't think we've had anyone share in quite the same way before yeah you are welcome I, I like to think I am warts and all This is probably for some people not a very relatable question. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, it's about breastfeeding while doing IVF. It obviously, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have success and they want to have a big family, so they go in straight away afterwards. Yeah, or not, you know, not straight away, but quite soon afterwards, and that's understandable. That's some people's path. That's what they want to do. It obviously, yeah. it's got its challenges, and one of them is is breastfeeding. I, mm. um, yeah. It's it's a big moment for those people. Obviously, for the rest of people who haven't had a baby yet, it's probably a bit like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> You're yeah. so lucky. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, well, you know, you're just constantly told that it's the best thing for your child. You must, you must, you must. Mm, um, see, when you've come at this from a struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to be able to breastfeed. It's, a, you know, it's a privilege. And it is a huge so, yeah, privilege. Yeah. There is a lot to be... Um, yeah, so doctors telling you to not yeah. is a bit of a weird sensation. Uh-huh, yeah, no doubt. Um, so, but but IVF clinics do tell you to stop, um, and we asked Professor Tim why. So there have been concerns that when women breastfeed, um, one of the hormones that goes high is prolactin. So during breastfeeding, many women will notice that their periods completely stop or become very irregular, and it's the prolactin which is affecting the menstrual regularity and the chance of ovulation. And it's really, I guess, nature's way of help spacing out pregnancies uh, also. Now, because the prolactin levels go high and they can therefore affect the function of the ovaries, then often there's a concern that breastfeeding when moving into fertility treatment may cause an issue. There's also a concern that the drugs you're taking during fertility treatment Um, many of which will go into breast milk and then could obviously be taken in by the baby. Now, it's fair to say that some clinics are maybe more relaxed than others about this, but I would say the majority view is that most clinics would prefer uh, women to have stopped breastfeeding before taking fertility drugs. That was a good one, wasn't it? I felt like that was a good one, and I really loved how much Sean shared. Yes, yeah, Sean is a lovely, lovely guy. Um, follow him, find out what he's up to. He's doing great things, and we are very grateful to him for chatting to us. We massively are. Um, what are we doing next week, Gab? Oh, well, next week we have got author Claire Lynch, who has written a book called Small on Motherhoods. And it's, it's how would you describe this? She's in a same-sex relationship. Basically, she thought it was going to be hard to conceive, but it was harder than she thought. Yeah, she had quite an emotional journey um, and her book is called Small because um, I guess because a lot of the what you see when you go through IVF is, is is your children at very small, obviously microscopic levels. And then her children were born preterm, which again 
they were small, they were stuck on incubators. I think this whole kind of concept of small, um, she's really explored it in this book and it's really quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, so really looking forward to that. Thank you right. to Sean, thank you to Professor Tim, thank you to Acast for hosting. Um, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.